Hello and welcome. I'm Rachel Hellier and I'd like to introduce you to the first ever episode of In Conversation With from the Lancet Infectious Diseases, a podcast in which we'll talk to authors of leading scientific research about their work. It's March 2021 and we're going to start off the series with this first episode with a conversation with Professor Yap Boom, who's a regional representative for Epicenter Africa, the research arm of Médecins Sans Frontières. He's based in Yaoundé, Cameroon, and is the lead author on a study that looks at rapid diagnostic tests for COVID-19 in patients in Cameroon. Welcome, Yap. Um, so y- your study was done in Cameroon last year and assessed the performance of antigen and antibody rapid diagnostic tests for COVID-19 and compared them to gold standard PCR testing. Can you give a bit of background and explain why it was important to do your study? The, yes, the, the first the first case of um, COVID-19 happened in Cameroon around uh, the 6th of March. And though we were prepared, at that time, there were like two or three, less than five labs were able to diagnose COVID-19 in the entire continent. In Cameroon, we were having one, actually, the Saint Pasteur de Cameroon. So we were aware that we may not have enough capacity to actually test for the COVID-19 because at the time, the test that was used was the PCR and the PCR required those molecular labs. And starting from the beginning, we were thinking what would be the alternative if we know that the key of the outbreak is a diagnostic. We've been working on Ebola and many other diseases, and we know that we need to be in a position to diagnose patients wherever they are, especially in rural places and and so on. So it was clearly a need. And as the number of cases were growing, we were pushing one to know what was available. At the time, the serological test those ones who can tell you whether you have been exposed, whether you have antibody to the disease, were the most available. And at that time, they were the one thought to be the most useful. And the antigen were produced in a very small quantity by, by a small number of distributors, I mean. And they thought that they would not work. So it was critical for us to respond to that challenge. How are we going to test our population everywhere in the country, knowing that we won't have the capacity to install and implement molecular lab everywhere? We need evidence before implementing the use of those tests. So what were your findings of the study then? What we do basically, we compare the antigen test. The antigen respond to the question, do that person has the virus because it will detect the presence of the protein from the virus. It's like the PCR, and you actually use the same sample from, 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 the, from the nose. And we compare that also to the serological test. Those will tell you whether you have antibodies. So our main finding was that the antigen rapid test, when you take people who have any symptom and especially within the first 10 days after the symptom onset, they have the capacity to diagnose up to eight positive patients out of, out of 10 who are diagnosed by PCR. So 80% sensitivity, which is a very good uh, performance for a, a rapid test. 
But we also realize that the, uh, the serological tests, those who rely on the detection of antibodies, if you use them later on, let's say two weeks, if, if not more than two weeks after the patient has been had the symptom, then they can also tell you that seven to eight out of 10 patients has been exposed to the virus, which is also an important information when you want to know how the virus has been spreading in your community because we all agree that you won't be able to test everyone. So those seroprevalence survey, those are the, 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 the survey that we look for people who have been exposed, can then be done with some of those rapid tests, especially those who were showing a high performance. We were having four and we have two that were actually the top performer. So you touched a bit there on how the, the test results vary over time. And so how do you think that, that that aspect will affect the use of the different tests? It will, uh, it will actually impact the way the country will implement the testing strategy. The first question is, who are the people we really want to catch first? We want to have those one who are in danger, so those who have symptoms, most likely might need to have hospital support. So we need to catch them as soon as they have the symptom. And those one, it's great with the rapid test we can early enough. Two, we also want to catch those who are at high risk of transmitting the disease because they have a high viral load. They have a high quantity of virus. And those one are the one cut caught as well by the rapid test. Actually, whether they are symptomatic and or asymptomatic, because we also realize that 30% of the people who have no symptom at all can be caught by the rapid test. And those one are the one having a high quantity of virus. So those are the most at risk of transmitting the virus in their environment. So basically, those rapid tests, they will allow us one, to catch the people who are symptomatic so that we can quickly take care of them. Two, to catch those who have a high quantity of virus so we can quickly isolate them. How do you think that policymakers can use these results when considering their approach to COVID-19 testing? So, as mentioned, it was a, what we call an operational research. When we got the preliminary finding, that was around May or June last year, that when we present the result to the National Task Force in Cameroon. And based on that, we actually decide on our national testing algorithm, which tell that all the symptomatic person who are positive with the rapid test are isolated and managed. No need for PCR. Those who are symptomatic and negative by rapid tests are the only one for whom we will do the PCR. So we, which means we reduce the burden on the molecular lab, but we can quickly take care of the patient. That's how we make our, our national algorithm. Now, when we do the mass screening, mass testing, we consider that all those who are positive with the rapid test will be isolated and managed so that they don't transmit the virus. And those who are negative, we leave them in the community. We know that there might be some positive among those ones. 
but we also know that those are the guys with the lowest amount of virus. So those are the least likely to transmit the virus based on the data that we found. So that's how we managed to create an algorithm that is, that's been used in Cameroon for many months now, and that we hope will actually be spread in other countries. And when, when you see what is happening even in the Western country, they're actually following that kind of algorithm. That's great to hear that the results are already being used in policy and they can definitely be or hopefully be generalised to other countries as well. So, yeah, that's great. Just to round off, I know you're a great advocate for research in low and middle income countries. Could we just end our chat with a little bit about why research is so important during a pandemic, especially in LMICs? I will say that research is not only important, it is critical. Why is it critical? Because we have the lowest quantity of resource as compared to the Western countries. So, which means we need to definitely find solutions that will help us to optimize the minimum that we have. The rapid test is one example. We cannot have, we cannot afford actually having molecular tests. So we need something else. And that was the rapid test. Now we are going forward with the issue of vaccine. How many African countries we actually have the means to pay for those vaccines? That would be a challenge. So if we cannot have vaccine for all our people, what are the alternatives? And those alternatives will come from research in terms of intervention. How can we reinforce the community engagement, for example, so that people can respect the distancing measure? Are there any local, local traditional medicine that can also help and support? The research can tell us which one works and which one do not, do not work. So research is actually not, it's actually, let me say, an obligation for, the, for LMICs because we'll find those innovative but homegrown solutions that will fit our environment. I mentioned the testing, I mentioned the vaccine, but also the treatment. And more importantly, most of African countries, they've signed what we call the Abuja Declaration many years ago, saying that they will put 10% of their GDP in health and research. They've not been done that. So they definitely have to do that. They also have to push for the philanthropist. We have a lot of billionaires now. They are in Africa, but they are also in London. They are, they are all over. They need to invest because that investment will give us the key, not only to respond to COVID, but to be ready for the next pandemic. Absolutely. So that's great. Some really key messages there. Thanks, Yap, so much for speaking to us. My real pleasure, Asha. You can read Dr. Yap Boom's research online now at thelancet.com. Thank you, Dr. Boom, and thank you, listeners, for listening to this episode of In Conversation With. Remember, you can subscribe to In Conversation With the Lancet Infectious Diseases from wherever you usually get your podcasts.